Días de Vino y Radio, un programa presentado por Gabriel Ruiz López para todos los amantes del vino, agricultores, enólogos, sommeliers, bodegueros, comerciantes, restauradores, periodistas, conectando directamente desde Barcelona, España. Thank you, Patricia. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, depending on which point of the planet you are. Today, we are going to travel to Germany with uh, Hans-Dieter van Garner. He's uh, an expert uh, trader of uh, German wines. And we will try to discover uh, his country wines. And especially, we will talk a little bit about Riesling. Uh, well, normally German wines are the forgotten when we talk about the old world. But I saw that in the last times, the German wines are the more and more demanded. Hello, Hans, Vigets. Hello, Gabi. Alles gut, alles bestens. Hello, Gabi. Everything is fine. Here, auch gut. Ich würde das Interview gerne auf Deutsch, aber mein mein Deutsch ist nicht so gut. Ich kann nicht sprechen offen. So, vielleicht besser auf Englisch, da? Yeah. Yes. So let's let's try to make it best on English. Okay. Yeah. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> so cool. uh, well, I have introduced you as trader from uh, German wines, and I would like you uh, to introduce yourself uh, and to explain us a little bit how did you join the wine world and uh, how your trajectory since then. Yeah. The wine world was just um, something uh, for myself when I was uh, around 15, 16. So very young. And uh, it was the fact that my parents, they had a, um, a I would say a beverage business, uh, but specialized uh, on beer and wine. But uh, beer was nice for drinking and the wine was something for passion already when I was going to be the age of 16 already. So I was working with my family business for a long time. And um, when I was 18 and I was, I had the first time to, to join a wine club tasting. And uh, it was very long time ago. So um, at that time, it was something really special. And uh, it was a friend of my parents. Uh, he was a professor of wine and uh, he invited some 10 people for this special tastings. Mm -hmm. uh, and, um, but it was far away from our city. It was only so 30 minutes drive. And um, it was uh, sometimes my parents could not go together. So because they were quite busy. And uh, it was one day my father said, okay, Today I not can go, but would you like to go with uh, mom and uh, join this tasting? And uh, then I went to this tasting and it was just um, perfect for me. So it was the first time to have uh, international wines in Germany on the tasting from Chile, from Spain. Um, it was in the seventies and um, then I, when we drove back, uh, I told to my mom, I said, okay, you know, um, next time somebody, you have to decide which 
of you will go for the tasting. I will go definitely. So uh, from this time, there was only my father or my mother uh, joined me for this tasting. And uh, I had uh, several years, we had several courses uh, on different vintages, different wine regions. So this was my first time when I really come uh, deep into the wine business. Okay. And uh, it was also at that time that I spoke with this guy, uh, Professor Hoffman, and uh, he said, oh, what do you want to do later after school? And I said, okay, I'm thinking to go to be a banker. And, uh, but after five or six courses of wine tastings, I decided to uh, go in the wine business. Mm -hmm. So I started, uh, after school, I started uh, an apprenticeship. Um, and so this was the first steps. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And since then, uh, you have been always uh, in trading, right? Yes. And after after this apprenticeship, I was working in different companies, and then I studied wine business. And after studying wine business, I was consulting first producers for more than 15 years. And after 15 years of consulting uh, in wine management, I decided to, to change my life a little bit to uh, work on the trade side. Uh, mm -hmm. So, which is which is the actual business? Which is the actual business now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit so weird, right? And uh, specialized in Russia, right? Yes, yes, yes. I was uh, really looking for for something special, and I had a chance more than uh, twelve years ago to uh, travel to Russia one time, and uh, so it was just the the destiny now to work only with Russia. So I'm really focused only on Russia. Mm -hmm. um, I go there very often, uh, several times per year. Mm -hmm. And uh, so this is something quite nice to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, to focus uh, gives some advantages too. Yeah. Well, let's talk about uh, German wines. Uh, it's difficult to, to know where to start with because there are uh, a lot of uh, topics to talk about uh, because for it's the first program we talk about German wine so let's make with you the introduction and I would like you to explain a little bit uh, the areas where the wine is produced a kind of description of uh, soils landscape and climate okay yeah, yeah so German wines of Germany um, are very uh special in that way that we have uh, certain wine regions not so much like in, in spain or in italy or other countries but mm -hmm. uh we have we have um in this small german country uh which we have only hundred thousand hectares of wine um we have different soils and a lot of different microclimate and uh, that makes uh, German wines so really special. And as we are in the Northern Hemisphere, uh, we are going for the cool climate. Uh, grape varieties, uh, which is Riesling and the Pinot Noir. And uh, so we have some special, uh, I would say, focus in the German wine production um, to nowadays. And um, what makes the real big difference, the real big difference uh, makes the soil, of course, we have uh, the terroir, we speak about terroir many years, of, and uh, we have um, limestone, 
uh, in one region we have slate in the Mosul, we have sandstone in Rheinhessen. So we have certain different wine regions and we have in each region a lot of microclimate situation. But the most big differences is uh, just to have um, this uh, part of um, soil that really makes the wine completely different from each regions to the other regions. Mm -hmm. And so we have these certain wine regions. The biggest one is Rheinhessen. Uh, the second one is Pfalz, and then we have uh, Baden as the third uh, wine region where I'm from, where I'm situated, when I worked um, many years consulting producers. Mm -hmm. And uh, then we have the smallest wine region from the biggest, which is Rheinhessen, 26,000 hectares. Mm -hmm. We have the smallest, which is Hessische Bergstraße. This is the region around Heidelberg. Probably a lot of people know about Heidelberg Castle. Uh, this is only 460 hectare. Wow. So this is a wine region. So we have a lot of big producers. They have double and triple uh, the size of, of their own vineyards. Uh, but this is a wine region with hundreds of producers. So very, very tiny. Uh, but it is a wine region. So we have special climate there as well. Hola, so this is... In the south, no? What, sorry? All of, all of these regions are in the south of Germany. Yeah, yeah, we are, we are, we are more or less in the south. So the northest, we are close to Luxembourg, which is the Mosul region, and all regions are below. So we have uh, the Baden area, which is close to the Alsace region on the River Rhine. Then uh, we have uh, Saxony on the on the east uh, side of Germany. And we have on the north, the maximum is the Mosul at the moment. So what do you have uh, uh, in the northern hemisphere? So this is something kind of 100 kilometers uh, on more than Frankfurt. So this is just to give you an idea where are uh, the wine regions, more or less in the south uh, part. And how are the climates? The climates, we have a Mediterranean climate, a cool Mediterranean climate. So we have um, sometimes we have summertime is, is going up to 30 degrees, 25, and winter time um, can be sometimes in the vineyards uh, minus 10, minus 15. But in the last years, um, it was not that cold anymore. So uh, you will really see the impact of uh, warming up climate. Uh, uh, even in our regions. My, my direction uh, to, for the questions. <laughs> you should have noticed no, this uh, change of climate, right? Yeah, yeah, we have this, we have this, we have this climate. We have this climate change and uh, there is the warming up so we not have the, this cold winter time. Uh, and that makes it even possible not only to wait for harvest until November. So we all have already early harvest, uh, finishing end of September sometimes. And uh, like, like this year, it was very early finishing uh, harvest end of September, the first week of October. So normally we, we wait for Riesling to, to the mid of, no, mid of October, um, beginning of November sometimes. So we, we already uh, feel the impact uh, 
Yeah, why not? Why not? Why not? Why not? But it is it is not a quality. It is not a quality. Uh, it is only so frozen, a frozen grape. It is not uh, really um, uh, the, the extract. Yeah, it's not happening in the plant. So it's uh, yes, it's not happening in the berries. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, this is like making uh, artificial snow for the ski. <laughs> You know when they do for the to open the season in the ski resorts. Yes, that's right. The that's right. That's right. In the natural snow, <laughs> <laughs> but translated to the to the wine world. Yeah. And uh, well, one uh, very complicated thing for for us for the beginners in uh, German wines is the classifications because uh, it's totally different than the ones we are used to. For example, in Spain or Italy, and uh, even France. Yeah. Yes. Can you classification is uh, what is the VDP uh, classification? Mm. Okay. Now we have we have classification in Germany is based on on a wine law uh, which is going back at the moment. Uh, the main, I would say, uh, wine law was uh, seventy one. And uh, it was the time when um, the people decide to, to um, I would say, to build up a wine system based on the must weight. Mm -hmm. The must weight is uh, the concentration of sugar in the berries related, like bricks. We have Oxley in Germany, so you have bricks in other countries. And we said, okay, if you have more sugar content in the berries, so you have higher quality. Uh, and you can produce after from fermentation of this sugar, you have higher volume of alcohol, and so you have higher quality. So it was the um, the measurement for uh, the system in Germany when it started seventy one, and uh, it's still existing today. And uh, we start in Germany. Uh, beside what you have in in different countries in Europe, you have table wine and quality wine. Mm -hmm. In Germany, we have beside this table and quality wine, we have um, a special list of um, sections in the quality wine label, label. So you have quality wine, which is QBA. The second step is Cabinet. Mm -hmm. uh, the next step is uh, Late Harvest, Spätlese. Uh, then it comes to Auslese, which is... Uh, the noble sweet wine already, and then it comes to Baron Auslese, Trockenbeeren Auslese, and uh, some really special thing is the ice wine. So this, the the measurements of uh, must weight is going up from QBA to Trockenbeeren Auslese, and um, but mostly we produce uh, QBA and Cabinet. Uh, this mm -hmm. is uh, what we are looking for. This is what is the people are uh, wanted to to buy in products, and um, so this is what we have. This is still existing. Then, a few years ago, there is the VDP classification coming up. Uh, the VDP is an association of two hundred producers, so we have ten thousands of producers in Germany, but mm -hmm. the VDP is just the two hundred. So it's a small association, and they said, "Okay, ten thousand producers." Yeah, yeah. Well, so many, many small boutique wineries, no? 
we have we have we have we have a lot of we have a lot of very small small uh, farmers. Uh-huh. Uh, and sometimes we have there are a lot of farmers that have two three hectares, five hectares. Wow. Uh, so we have we have uh, the situation. Uh, we have, I would say that the, the production side is split to to wineries, to cooperatives, and really to small farmers. Mm-hmm. And in the last years, there are coming up quite a lot of new uh, new farmers uh, with very low, uh, um, very small vineyard uh, sizes. So there's uh, three, four, five hectares, um, and they are going to produce wine and going for their own what? business. They can do what? 20, 30,000 bottles or something? Yeah, like yeah, 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 yeah. Uh-huh. They want to do so. That it is. It is a new. I would say fashion and passion for for wine uh, since the last ten years, uh-huh. um, and now a lot of people they think, okay, I have I have a business, but I want to invest some money in wine, but very small. I not want to be big producer. I want to do something beside, and so we have a lot of small farmers, and the VDP is just an association of two hundred producers. They said, okay, we. We want to to clarify our standards in a private uh, statute, um, so they have a different a different um, I would say classification, but still also accept the classification which is existing. So they have an a, an own classification for dry wines, mm-hmm. so which starts for Orts wine. Um, um, a good wine, which is the basic wine, then it comes to Orts wine, which is village wines. Then the next step will be um, a single vineyard. Uh, and the top uh, quality will be uh, Premier Cru. Uh, Grand Cru, sorry. Grand Cru, mm-hmm. like in Burgundy. And uh, so they, they developed a special system. Uh, so the, the top wine has to have very low yield. Uh, high concentration and a lot of things. So, but if their wines, if they want to produce wine which are sweet or naturally sweet, um, they use the Cabinet, Spätlaser, Auslaser, Trockenbeeren, Auslaser, the same what everybody can use. So, this is the, the frame, the frame uh, in, in which the VDP is uh, putting especially uh, their own system of dry wines. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so it is a little bit confusing because uh, there are just too too many um, things going up, and um, yeah, I know there is there is some some different uh, situation in 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 Europe. Uh, you have uh, your wine, then you have your collection, you have reserve wines, and all the things. Mm-hmm. And this is always uh, the measurement is the alcohol. And the maturation in oak or in bottles, mm-hmm. and uh, we are especially in Germany, even also the VDP, we are really focused on um, low yield under yield. So we have different levels of production limits, and uh, the the sugar amount of the berries, so the must weight. Mm-hmm. So this is a completely different system from other uh, um, countries. Yeah, you manage other parameters. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yes, 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 yes. Oh. It's there are much more parameters, and uh, 
But with these parameters, you have a huge, I would say, collection of wine <laughs> labels to find. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And okay. I just can explain you one, one more thing, which is quite uh, interesting nowadays. Uh, in the 70s and the 80s, the people were looking to, to find, uh, or I would say, to, to follow and to, to find a structure and bigger, bigger regions, which was the focus to look for it. Today, um, all the people are looking for uh, single vineyards. Mm -hmm. And we have, at the moment, we have 2,600 single vineyards existing. Uh -huh. That makes the big difference. So there is no orientation at all. There is just tasting, tasting, tasting. <laughs> because uh, how can you explain which single vineyard is different from this one and this one? So there's so many differences at the moment. Mm -hmm. And uh, makes it a little bit more, more difficult. Uh, so there is, as I always say, um, you have to go by yourself for tasting and decide which wine uh, is your favorite. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's uh, quite complicated, yes. Yeah, yeah. Very, very well structured, I think. It's typical German. <laughs> yes, now we want to make it probably, everybody wants to make it really special uh, and to, to use uh, all the possibilities. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, on the other hand, there is the consumer, mm -hmm. and the consumer. Uh, the basic consumer, the regular consumer, does not have time to go really deep into, into the wine mm -hmm. business. So they, they buy a bottle by label, they buy a bottle by price, and if they like the style of wine, so it works. And then we have the wine lovers, uh, we have the wine specialists, they really go for deep, 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 and uh, I would say they're looking for the plant. Okay, <laughs> they're not even looking for the vineyard. They go in the vineyard and say, okay, this is the plant. I want to have the bottle of this wine uh, vineyard uh, plant. And uh, so this is um, some really special things going on. Yeah, well, talking about plants and vineyards, uh, let's go to the varieties. The more known for me are, of course, uh, Riesling, Silvaner and Gewurztramina. I think the German wines are more popular till the moment uh, the whites uh, wine uh, worldwide, no? So yes, we have we have international wise we have uh, Riesling grape variety which is uh, number one mm. for us at the moment, and because uh, it was many years ago there was no Riesling in other countries existing. So it was something really unique from Germany. If you have a wine from Germany, uh, it would be a, a Riesling. Mm -hmm. And Riesling was, was, uh, had a chance to convince uh, the wine lovers with the fruitness, uh, the acidity, and also always low alcohol. Uh, and the combination of these three measurements and uh, also the big difference between uh, the wine regions of Riesling uh, makes Riesling really something special. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and also this is on the other hand that Riesling is not Riesling. Riesling is uh, defined or characterized by the terroir, especially by the terroir. So we have um, 
um, the Mosul region where we have slate. So we have very uh, mineral uh, realistic Riesling characterized. If we go for uh, Rhein-Hessen, we have sandstone. And sandstone gives this apricot fruit. And then if we go for the Baden region, um, and uh, we have this granite uh, soil, uh, which also gives a combination of uh, citrus and minerality. And then we have the more heavy soils like clay and uh, loess and loam. Uh, we have more this, uh, the citrus aromas. So the question is, which style of Riesling do you like to drink? And then you have to look where, which region where you have to go. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so if you, if probably you have a Riesling from one region, perhaps in Mosul, you say, okay, this is for me too much acidity because the Mosul Rieslings are very high on acidity and other regions are lower on acidity also on Riesling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. So, but this is, this is, this is interesting in Riesling. Um, so if you are a lover of, of wine with acidity and fruitness, so Riesling has a lot of uh, performances in different ways. So this is also something interesting to discover. Um, so looking for the fruitness, the citrus aroma, uh, and the minerality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I wanted to talk about Riesling afterwards, but uh, once we are we are <laughs> in the in the field, let's uh, continue with the Riesling, and later we we will talk about the the other varieties because yeah, we can do. in the last times in some programs I found sommeliers and uh, uh, wine growers here uh, that when I ask uh, at the end uh, which is their favorite grape some of them have answered Riesling so it means since it's, it's something very special no? and as uh, you said it changes depending on the region uh, this is something to make an exercise and try from the three main regions and uh, find find out the difference. But also, this acidity gives a, a long um, a long life to the to the wine. I heard that uh, you can find riesling that are really really old. Yes. Wine. Yes. This is this is the advantage of this grape variety. Um, because Riesling with this acidity, you can keep it for ages, like 20 years, 30 years. It depends on the, on the quality, it, if it is more a sweet one. So, but if you're going for a noble sweet one, uh, you can keep it uh, for 50, 60 years. Uh, and even dry Rieslings, you can have for 30, 40 years. Uh, there is no, it is the question of the structure, the vintage, uh, the acidity, the fruitness, the alcohol, but uh, Riesling matures quite very well for, for many years. So if somebody is looking for an old vintage, uh, Riesling uh, is always a great variety to look for it. Uh, it has been uh, in oak or not, this, this, this one's that have so, such a long life, long life. No, no, it's not. It's not matured in oak. Uh, it's just uh, the long life is the acidity uh, of, of the grape variety itself. And uh, the my experience is that uh, 
the, the sweetness, the noble sweet wines are mature quite longer uh, for happiness, I would say. Uh, and, but there are still uh, old Rieslings, uh, dry versions, um, which you can have for 40 years in the quiet. The wine is still existing, the wine is still stable. Uh, there's fruit, there's balance, and it's a nice glass of wine, definitely. Uh -huh. But uh, the the noble sweet wines they can really age for many decades, many decades. Mm -hmm. And uh, which is the oldest uh, riesling you have tasted? In good condition. Uh, I have I mean, that's still alive, still with some, you know. No, no, no. This is. Uh, it was in my private collection. It was a '59. Mm -hmm. uh, I was lazy from uh, Württemberg and uh, I was happy to collect uh, two bottles uh, for several years and I had opened the last bottle, I think it was three, four years ago. Mm -hmm. I was just telling my friends around on the table, uh, I would be happy to have hundreds of bottles of this wine still in my cellar. Really? Uh, it was so young, it was so fresh. Uh, it was perfect. There is, there was not any uh, kind of, I would say, um, oxidation. Um, so it was full-bodied, uh, just perfect, just perfect. Mm. And so this was only '59, but there is still a lot of Rieslings existing in some wineries going back to the twenties. Wow. Yeah, and uh, so the, these wines are also still alive. I not had a chance to taste these wines yet, but uh, I've heard uh, and I read a lot of uh, uh, information about these tastings. Uh, are these wines as old as this? Uh, maybe they are uh, sweet or semi-sweet, no? The sugar helps to... Um, mostly there will be some, some natural sweet, natural sweet, mm -hmm. um, but uh, it, there are also some dry wines. There's still some dry wines existing. From this, from the especially 1921 was quite very good vintages for uh, Germany. So <laughs> uh, 29 was very good, and uh, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, and so sometimes I compare these old, old wines with uh, actors. You know, uh, these uh, Hollywood actors like uh, Paul Newman or so on, when they are already 80. And uh, they, they are not like a young man, 30 years old, but you see what it was, no? And, uh... Yeah, 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 really. No, no. <laughs> old, old wines, uh, old Riesling, so makes really uh, fun to, and really brings a lot of happiness. Mm. And uh, this is also what you need for for um, a Riesling. Many, many people probably look for, for young vintages, but even if you keep the bottle for two, three years, you give the this grape variety, a little bit time to mature in the bottle. Mm -hmm. It really shows up much more better uh, and gets more the complexity because the, the uh, aromas and the acidity and the alcohol gets to the way of harmony. I, and uh, so therefore, uh, Riesling is always good for maturation. Uh, it doesn't happen with the Gostraminer and Silvana. No? Silvana is something normally you would drink between five years. Gewürztraminer, if you go up also by Silvana, if you go for Noble Sweet, you can keep it for a long time. So uh, um, I'm going to, to turn to 60 in a few days. 
Uh, and uh, I probably will open the Gewürztraminer uh, from the 60. Uh, <laughs> but it will be a bare and laser, so it will be Nova Sweet. Uh -huh, uh -huh. And, and it uh, will be perfect because the bottle is in my cellar for many years and uh, the bottling is on top. So this is uh, a uh, perfect condition. Good, good, good. Good way to celebrate. Yeah. Yeah, why not? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, what would be, which would be the main difference between these uh, three grapes? What do you mean? Okay, um, let's start with Silvaner. Silvaner is, uh, normally Silvaner was a grape variety for, I would say, uh, the um, low acidity and uh, the fruitness is not so explorated, uh, so it's very, it's more or less a little bit, um, it's soft on acidity, it's lower on alcohol, and uh, it's just um, a wine that has some aromas that are not so um, uh, intense. Mm -hmm. So, um, and, um, but this wine, had a great time uh, in the 80s uh, because it was really a nice wine to drink every day. Mm. Uh, and uh, it was uh, produced by many wineries and we had a lot of uh, vineyards in Germany. Nowadays, this, the, the demand of wine changed completely. We had in the 80s, we people drink a lot of wine, much more than today. Mm. Uh, caused by driving and all the things, restrictions. And uh, it was really a time for uh, bread and butter, I would say. It was a wine. Silvana is something you can drink for, I would say, late breakfast. You can have it uh, for, <laughs> for for something for, for lunch. You can have it all the time because the alcohol was always between 10 and 11.5. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was dry, uh, semi-dry. And uh, it was just uh, something with a good taste, but not expressive. And then we have the other one, completely different, the high uh, acidity, which is Riesling, and the pronounced uh, aromas of, uh, of citrus, apricot, and, uh, and uh, um, this way of, of, of style of wine. Mm -hmm. And then the Gewürztraminer mm -hmm. is something really special what we have um, in the Baden region uh, because you explained uh, the three grape varieties and the same grape, three grape varieties are produced in, in the Alsace region and we are just on the border. So we have Gewürztraminer uh, in the Baden region, uh, very specialized uh, with this granite soil. And uh, we have this uh, rose bouquet, what you have always flowers, mm -hmm. rose flowers bouquet. And um, so Gewürztraminer is something really pronounced uh, in a special way. And uh, we use it mostly in Germany for um, the Nova Sweet wines or the sweet wines, um, perfect for desserts or for aqua. Mm -hmm. uh, this is my favorite, uh, but there is also existing some dry Gewürztraminer, mm -hmm. um, 
which is not uh, easy to find and uh, is sometimes sometimes a little bit difficult on taste mm -hmm. because uh, the um, if you have a dry wine, you have a little bit higher in alcohol. Mm -hmm. And uh, the the combination of higher alcohol and these uh, aromas, they're very delicate on the Gewürztraminer uh, to find the balance between alcohol, acidity, and uh, and this uh, very uh, special aromas of Gewürztraminer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here, one of the first, uh, when I started to drink wine, uh, being young, one of the first discoveries I made was, uh, you know, Miguel Torres. Uh, yes, I know. He's, he's married with a German uh, woman uh, called Waltraut. He made Waltraut. a wine with her name and with a Gewurztraminer. And uh, it was uh, amazing. Uh, yes, yes. Goodness, uh, was more peach, uh, roses too, but a uh, lot of peach. And uh, it was amazing. And when I discovered this was wine, uh, for me, it was a shock, and uh, well, uh, I, I will never forget this grape because of this uh, was uh, one of the first impacts I had. No, I completely agree because this was one of the Gewürztraminer I tasted from Spain, which I was really also surprised mm -hmm. by the quality. Mm -hmm. And it's also in my mind for for many years already. So this is uh, so also Spain can produce very good Gewürztraminer in yeah, Germany. In, in, <laughs> in Somontano, also there are some people using. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it gives good results, even if yes. it's a mountain region, and it's, I, I don't know, maybe totally different than Germany, but the result is quite good too. And uh, well, let's talk a little bit about the uh, reds because uh, they are uh, pretty unknown, but I don't know if this climate change will affect uh, that uh, Germany will produce more red wine from now. Um, the question is what we do, what we have in production and what we have in the future is more or less, uh, okay. Uh, generated by the demand of uh, the wine buyers. Mm -hmm. So uh, we have uh, a demand of red wine since the last 15 years. So we have growing uh, demand of red wine. So uh, the producers changed some vineyards uh, where it was possible uh, to from whites to the reds. Um, and the climate change really helps in that case that uh, normally we had in Germany, we had for, we was focused on uh, uh, Pinot Noir, Spätburgunder, uh, and um, we had uh, Schwarz Riesling, uh, Pinot Meunier, uh, we had uh, some different other grape varieties. Uh, but Pinot Noir, this was the, the focus uh, where we said, okay, this is the best red what we can produce. Uh, in, in Germany, and uh, then there were some people, they said, okay, in the 80s already, when I look back, uh, there is Syrah in the world, there is Cabernet Sauvignon in the world, and we said, oh, we not can produce these grape varieties in Germany because we need to wait very long time uh, to ripen the grape, the berries, to have really a, a very good wine that can be... I would say successful on the market, uh, and nowadays we have Syrah, we have Cabernet Sauvignon, 
we have Cabernet Franc, mm-hmm. and probably for you something very special. We have Tempranillo. I was so thinking about the, this. I was thinking we about have, this. <laughs> we have Tempranillo growing in in Germany, and it's in the Baden region. So uh, we have the situation that we have a little bit longer uh, sunshine period than any other regions in Germany, so we are now able to produce more or less all grape varieties on the reds. Uh, so we are not afraid of uh, not ripening uh, the berries mm. anymore. Oh, and I was thinking Tempranillo also because you know that the name Tempranillo comes from Temprano, which means early. And early. that is a grape that is harvested early, earlier than the other reds because the cycle is shorter. So maybe in a climate like in Germany, it can be better to, to also make it the cycle a little bit longer. I don't know. It came to my mind like this, not talking about climate. And... <laughs> <laughs> but in fact, you know, if I really want to drink a good Tempranillo, I go to Spain. So sorry for that, but... Uh... Well, but, <laughs> but sometimes with the, with the time, things change and uh, the plants adapt to the places. So who knows in a few years? What we can no, we have, we have, we have, we have to find uh, new ways for production line. But on my personal uh, experience, and uh, when I'm always looking for some grape variety, um, I'm looking for the grape variety where it comes from. Mm-hmm. So, uh, if I want to go for uh, Alvarinho, I not want to go for I don't know U.S. Looking for Alvarinho from U.S. I want to have Alvarinho from this place. Yes, mm-hmm. my choice. I want to go for Tempranillo. I want to go for this place in Spain, and uh, so there is a no. I not need to to have this in my own region, but. Uh, uh, People want to probably to start some kind of research how this grape variety will grow and uh, for the next years. The the Alvarino, for example, uh, some studies say that uh, it's a a clone or a mutation from Riesling. If you taste the wine, if you compare it, you feel it. So it, it means so that I always German, I, grape, <laughs> German grape adapted very well in Galicia. So who knows? Yes, yes, of course. Mm-hmm. Alvarinho is as always when the people ask me something about Alvarinho, I said, okay, you know Riesling, so you you know the the the, 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 the characteristics <laughs> of Alvarinho. <laughs> very, very simple way to, <laughs> to answer. Yeah. Well, uh, when we are talking about something we like and we are passionate like wine, the time flies. Uh, but uh, we have to, to get to the end of the interview. And I always reserve two questions for the end. So what is your favorite grape would be the first? That's a question I always people ask me. What is your favorite wine? What is your favorite grape? Um, it is this wine, what I will choose for the mood, what I have. It is my favorite one. So um, I have in my cellar a collection uh, of a lot of bottles of wine, different grape varieties, different vintages. And um, I can be happy with Silvana. I can be happy with Mulatogo. I can be happy with Cabernet Sauvignon. Uh, and uh, Can you say one favorite? 
That's one. I would say I would say nowadays I have one very I have nowadays I have a favorite um, something new which is Krasnostok from Russia because this grape variety mm -hmm. does not exist in the world beside mm -hmm. of Russia mm -hmm. and this is a new grape variety it's an autochon grape variety from Russia mm -hmm. uh, with high potential and this is my favorite red wine uh, yeah. at the moment. What I really want to look for it, but uh, beside this uh, Pinot Noir, this is always uh, on my mind. Mm -hmm. And the last question, and it, it goes very well with your question about mood. Uh, can you uh, marry match uh, a wine with a song? I would not go for a wine with a song. I would go a little bit different way, Gabi. Um, I really like music and I really like wine. The same, I would say, extension. So, okay. Yeah, but this I can... is, this is, the question is just because it is matching wine and radio. This is a radio yes. program about wine. So I want to <laughs> match the radio with a song and one wine. Okay, therefore I will I will give you this one. I will give you this one. Um, I really like uh, organ music. Okay, so if you if you, I like organ music from Bach, uh, I probably will sit down with a very nice Pinot Noir. And on the other hand, I really like rock music. Uh, I'm a fan of the Purple, so I probably will go for a very nice Chardonnay matured in in oak, and. Uh, Perhaps sometimes I will listen um, to some really uh, relaxing music, uh, like uh, also Spanish music, uh, probably going for Riesling. Uh, so there is not really, really one, only one song, but uh, there is the kind of music uh, I would look forward to have a right glass of wine to this kind of music. Yeah, because yeah, the uh, song you choose, uh, we will say goodbye to the program. It will be the last. Uh, I would say what I really like is also for a nice, perhaps wine, uh, where you can dream about with uh, a noble sweet Gewurztraminer and uh, the song which is from Eric Clapton, Leila. Leila, okay. <laughs> you know. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So we will. Uh, we will put this song uh, at the end of the program. <laughs> okay. And uh, well, it was a pleasure to have you here. Vielen Dank. Bitte schön. <laughs> time. And uh, I hope we will meet again soon, maybe in a restaurant in uh, Moscow. Or who knows? Yes, hopefully know. soon. Uh -huh. Or otherwise, I will come to Barcelona. <laughs> yeah, always welcome here. Okay. Okay. So, okay, have a good time and uh, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Wish you the same. Very, very All the best. <laughs> okay. Well, friends, you share the interview with uh, Hans Dieter Van Garner. I hope you enjoyed about German wines. And as I always say, be happy, drink a good wine, and see you soon. Good weekend. Bye-bye.
Okay, everybody, listen up. More music. All day, every day. Hey, this is Bruno Mars. Hello, it's Katy Perry, and you're listening to Gallery of Ideas Radio Station.